0: Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word, for your promise that that word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, take these words that we've heard and bring them to life, that we might live in your power and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's, it's hard for me to believe that it's been over a year since I was here last, a year and a couple weeks, I think, if my calendar's telling me the truth, uh, that we were doing Joel's Institution, and we're so thankful. Uh, one of the things, and I say this, and you might remember me having said this, I'm just pressing it down. When you see a bishop come, you're reminded that as a church, you're part of something bigger than just the local congregation. And there are brothers and sisters throughout the Carolinas that uh, share with me and my thanksgiving, not only for the Pensons, but for all of the people of King of Kings, that we are praying for you uh, constantly and that we're cheering you on in the mission that God's given you, the unique calling that God has on your life in this community. Uh, Today, I want to really have us focus, and if you have Bibles, it'll be helpful. That's a good rule of life. If you have Bibles, it will be helpful. Um, We're going to look at that 2 Timothy chapter 1 passage that we just heard read. This is uh, certainly the Apostle Paul's last letter uh, to Timothy, but it's most likely Paul's last letter to written in the New Testament. That Paul wrote this letter himself, imprisoned uh, to Timothy, who we find out is a young man. We, We hear about Timothy actually in the book of Acts, when Paul was on his first missionary journey in Acts chapter 14. He went into that town, he preached the gospel, and Timothy was one of the converts. Well, later on, Paul finished that missionary journey, went on a second missionary journey. We read about in the 16th chapter of Acts, and he went back to Lystra, and this time he took Timothy with him, this new convert he took with him on the mission trip. And what we learn about Timothy uh, in uh, not only what we read in Acts, but also in Paul's letters to Timothy is that he was a young man, probably by this time maybe just over 30 years old. He was frail, he had what Paul called frequent ailments. He was dealing with something, and he was timid. That, that he was, I don't know, an introvert, he was kinda inward, he was a timid guy. And we hear Paul time and time again kind of call that out. But they had a very special relationship and it makes me wonder uh, in our time and in our generation, you know, who are the Timothys uh, or whatever the female version of Timothy is uh, for women? Who are the, the younger folks, the next generation that we as followers and disciple of Jesus are encouraging and raising up and bringing along with us on, on the mission that, that God has us in this world? Paul writes this uh, not under house arrest, but he's actually in prison. Nero's persecutions have broken out in a major way by the time he writes this letter. And Paul likely is in a very dark, cold dungeon with a very small window of light in which he writes this letter. Paul seemingly, when he writes this letter, has lost everything. He's lost his freedom. He's lost his possessions. He's lost his churches. He's lost access to people. He says he's been deserted by those who used to honor and follow him. And yet the amazing thing is when you read this letter, not only this first chapter that we're going to look at, but when you read Paul's writings, he doesn't sound like a man who's lost everything. As a matter of fact, for Paul, God is still reigning. God is still ruling as he's in that dark, cold dungeon. And the thing that matters the most to Paul is flourishing. The thing that drives Paul in this letter, as we'll see, is this question what's going to happen to the gospel what's going to happen to that deposit that that treasure that we bear in earthen vessel and paul is passionate about that what are you going to do are you going to shrink back timothy are you going to be ashamed of this gospel or are you going to guard it guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. And so Paul writes this letter, and it has so much uh, a personal and passionate kind of interchange between he and Paul. He starts off in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's writing to Timothy as his beloved child. He sees him as a, a child in the faith. He sees him as one that he loves, that that he goes on to share, that he, he has tears over when he thinks about him. This is Paul's last will and testament. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to be at the kind of uh, alongside the deathbed of a relative or a friend. But those words are the most important words. And this is Paul's last will and testament. These are the, the last concerns. This is Paul's heart. At the end of his life, he says, I've run the race, I've fought the fight, he's gonna go on and say in this letter. And 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 it's very likely that, that it was this imprisonment that led, to his execution. And so we get the kind of burning pulse of of what's going on in Paul. And for Paul, it was all about this gospel, this this faith. Jesus talked about it in the gospel reading we heard today. He said, it's not so much the amount of faith you have, but, but the object of your faith. And for Paul, the object of his faith was this gospel of Jesus Christ. It was the person of Jesus Christ. It was what Jesus had accomplished in in his life among us and his death for us and his resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father. So I would say this is a very timely letter that Paul writes because the same things are going on in our generation. The church and followers of Christ are are tempted to forsake the purity of the gospel that's been entrusted to us, to trust in themselves, to trust in our own abilities, to trust in our own theologies and to forsake the very gospel of Jesus. So he writes this letter, grace, mercy, and peace. Those are gospel words that, that Paul speaks into Timothy's life. And then he, he talks to Timothy as one who knows him about the things that shaped Timothy. And for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You see, Paul is is crying, thinking about being with this son whom he lost. He's in tears, longing to to be with him, but but he understands that that Timothy has been shaped and formed by different influences in his life. And as he spells this out, he he kind of he names them all. and And the first, and this is so important for us to hear as parents, was his upbringing. He talks about what he received in the faith of his own home, from his mother and his grandmother, believers in the gospel, those who had nurtured him in the knowledge of Scripture, those who, who had raised him in the faith. But there was more. He said, also, you've been shaped not only by your home life and your family life, but by spiritual friendship. And he reveals that in this relationship that Paul has with him. Paul had an influence on who Timothy is as he, as he took him along and said, come with me on this missionary journey. Walk alongside. See how I do it. Minister with me. It's time for you to launch out in mission. And in that relationship, a relationship that Paul says brings tears to his eyes, Timothy was shaped. But not only that, Timothy Paul says, was influenced by what? The gifts and the endowment of God's spirit that was given to Timothy through the laying on of hands. Paul took seriously the the work of the Holy Spirit who, who gives gifts to each and every one of us uniquely and empowers us for life and ministry in Jesus. And not only that, but Timothy's own faith his own heart, and that's what Paul urges him. He goes, what I want you to do is to fan into flame that fire that burns within you, your own faith and disciplines and the gifts that God has given you. And so all of these things come together uh, to have shaped Timothy. And for Paul, all of those things were God's gift. It was something that God had given to Timothy. And Timothy was to continue in a kind of intentionality, fanning the flame of it. And not succumbing, as Paul says in this this verse, which for so many is kind of a, a life verse. God gave us a spirit not of fear, not a spirit of fear. So many people in our world live for fear, fear's the motivation. Fear of scarcity, fear that something bad's gonna happen, fear of illness, fear of death, fear of what people think. And Paul says that's not what this gospel's about. What this gospel about is is love and power and self-control. That when the spirit of God is indwelling us, we're not living our lives contracted by fear, but we're able to kind of put it out there for Jesus, to live in a kind of love and power and self-control, that these are all gifts of the Spirit given for us, and we live out of his resources. Paul continues in verse 8. He says, therefore, because of all this, because of who you are, because of what God's doing in your life, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. See there was a fear there, there was a temptation there to somehow be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on, nor of me his prisoner. I mean, Paul, things had gone bad for Paul. People were writing Paul off, as I already said, Many had deserted him, and Paul saying... Do not be ashamed, neither of the gospel nor of me as prisoner, but share in the sufferings for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Do not be ashamed. This is Paul, this is where he's beginning. This is what he's building up to. Timothy, I do not want you to be ashamed of this gospel. I don't want you to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. John Stott points out that there's three ways that we can be ashamed. We can be ashamed of the name of Christ, We can be ashamed of the people of Christ. We can be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What did Jesus say? Those who are ashamed of me in this wicked and adulterous generation, I will be ashamed of on that day that I returned. Paul had struggled with this. Paul had worked this out. We read in Romans where he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why is he saying that? Because he could have been. I am not ashamed of God, the gospel, but it's the power of God unto salvation. And so he's saying this gospel is everything, Timothy. Timothy. What's going to happen with this gospel when I'm gone? Do not be ashamed of this gospel. Do not be ashamed of me or God's people. You know, the problem we have is we live in a world that kind of squeezes in on us. And, and most of us like to kind of be liked. <laughs> we like to please people. And so when we're in our places of work, or our neighborhoods, or our social circles, we're in conversations with friends, the name of Jesus comes up and things get a little uncomfortable, it's easy to shrink back in those moments. It's easy not to stand up because of that natural inclination that we have to just kind of go along to get along, to to be a part of the crowd, to to be a people pleaser, if we're honest. And Paul's saying, that's what you can't do, Timothy. What he's encouraging him to do is to stand firm, to testify, even, Paul says, to suffer unashamedly for this gospel. He continued in, in verse nine, he said, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which has now been manifest through the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who what? Abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through this gospel. You see, what Paul is saying is the reason why this gospel is so important is because it's the only way to salvation. He's talking about we've been saved. He's talking about our savior, Jesus Christ, because the topic is salvation. And salvation isn't just what happens to us when we die, for Paul, salvation is life. It's everything. And Paul says that this gospel, salvation, is so comprehensive that it deals with our past, our present, and our future. He talks about us having been saved already, that was the past, that's our justification if you want to think theologically. He says, but now in the present, he's called us to what? A holy life. That in the power of his spirit, we're to live lives that begin to reflect the character and likeness of the one we follow, of Jesus And so that's the the sanctification. But then he says, we're also being saved because he's brought us to life and immortality, okay? He's he's brought us into immortality. Well, I'm still pretty mortal, I think. And I think you probably are too. Maybe some of y'all are amazing, I don't know. But, But what's waiting for us is immortality, and that's glorification, and so this comprehensive life that Jesus has for us deals with our past it's active in our present and it's called us to this glorious future and Paul says that's what's at stake in this gospel it's it's all of your life he's not saying come on uh, live a mediocre life Timothy just kind of get along no he's saying go for it live all out for Jesus He's not saying, Timothy, just do the best you can do. Live that kind of life. No, he's not saying that either. Because he, he said very clearly, the source of this was not our own works. That we're not relying on what we can do, but we're relying for this salvation based upon what he's already done. Upon who Jesus Christ is. And so he calls Timothy... To live into the fullness of that. Has nothing to do with our own merit, our own charm, our own good looks. It's none of that. It's all gift. It's all God stepping into our world, revealing himself to us in the face of Jesus. And calling us to come and live the life that he has. it. It's all grace. It's all gift. And Paul even says it's rooted before the beginning of the ages. Where? In God's heart that what this gospel is about is what God purposed before time itself. And that's true for each and every one of us. That God had a desire and a design and a purpose on each of your lives and my life. And it was to live with him in the fullness of life that Jesus came to give. And he planned it before we were even born. He knew our name before we were born. And he's waiting for us to live in that fullness of life. Paul says he's abolished death. And I think that's probably the one word that sums up the human predicament, isn't it? Death. Paul says it in Romans, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Death, physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. That's what we we're on the road for until Christ stepped in to our lives. To be spiritually dead is to be separated from God, to be out of relationship with God. And while we may still be physically alive, we're in a sense just the walking dead if we're in that situation. We're just going through life. But we don't know the author of life. We don't know the giver of life. And so he has abolished death physically, spiritually, and eternally. We will live forever. There will be no second death as we read about in the book of Revelation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I guess the bad news in all of that is we still get to die physically if, if, if the Lord doesn't return. But but Paul's able to say in Corinthians, "O oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, Where is your sting? Physical death is not the final word. Actually, what Paul is able to say in other places in his letters is that, that we fall asleep in the Lord. That's what physical death is like for us. What do we say on our birthdays? We say um, we say, "Happy birthday. And, and when you get older, you say, well, it, I guess it beats the alternative. But I, but I actually always kind of chuckle to myself because I'm thinking, does it? <laughs> yeah, one more year, one more year. But what do we have waiting for us? This, this incredible future, this, this ground of the gospel, which is, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He abolished death and he is risen. And so we don't see death, physical death, as the last word, but he's called us. Paul says, and of this gospel, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. And that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Paul's not ashamed. He's willing to suffer because he understands this gospel. Paul's call to Timothy, Paul's call to us in this day, to king of kings in this generation, is not to shrink back for fear. Not to be ashamed in any way of the gospel. It's the power of God. It's the power of your life. It's the power of this church. It's the power of God unto salvation. And to step into it. And not only step into it and receive it, because that's all we can do. It's a gift. But to guard it. To guard it. And not only to guard it, but to give it away. Isn't that where Paul's going? He wants us to to take this gospel and not, not guard it like put it in the vault, not put a light under a bushel, but put it out. And that's what we're called to do in the church is to take this gospel, this good news, not only individually, but corporately as a people and somehow put this gospel, this message on display that the world that the unbelieving world can see and hear, and by God's grace, just like he saved us, bring folks in to that family. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this gospel. I thank you, Lord, for the Apostle Paul's passion for this gospel. May you fan into flame that that passion within each of us within this congregation and this people, Lord, that that we might see the power of God at work in this generation, that we might see lives touched and changed through this gospel more and more for your glory. We thank you that we have your word that reveals to us your eternal purposes. May we not be ashamed. May we not shrink back in fear. May we... Advance this gospel in this generation to the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.